This episode of Sports with Friends is presented by Dynasty Owner. Are you tired of the same old fantasy football leagues that you hear about online that get canceled after a year or so? If so, Dynasty Owner has your back. Dynasty Owner unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office by incorporating a salary cap and real NFL player salaries for diehard fantasy football fanatics that want the real GM experience. It adds a whole new level of strategy to fantasy football. We think it's such a big difference maker that we hold three patents on it. Go to DynastyOwner.com. New leagues for the 2021 season are forming now. That's DynastyOwner.com. Are you worried you won't be able to find anyone to play in your league with? Well, don't worry. Dynasty Owner can help you fill your league with fantasy football enthusiasts like yourself so you won't have to worry about finding enough players. You can choose to start your own league, join a league that needs to be filled, or you can even purchase a team from a previous owner if you'd like to take that team to the championship. If you're finally serious about joining the big leagues, go to DynastyOwner.com and start your dynasty today. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. My name is Seth Everett. This is a podcast that I've been excited to talk about. And there's so many things going on in this podcast. First of all, our guest today is a longtime IndyCar driver. He has been an amazing racer and now he's a broadcaster for a sport that we have talked about a lot here on Sports with Friends, Formula E. Dario Franchitti is with us. Dario is a four-time IndyCar Series champion, a three-time winner of the Indianapolis 500, as well as a winner of the 24 Hours of Daytona. He's a veteran of Formula 3. He's also the winner of the McLaren Autosport BRDC Award. And after his retirement, he became the co-commentator for Formula E's World Feed broadcast, alongside Jack Nichols, who was episode 208, A hundred episodes ago, Jack Nichols was another in-person guest. We used to do them all the time. There's a couple of really cool things about Dario. Uh, We met at the New York City race that just uh, concluded this past weekend. And one of the neat things about that is it was our first face-to-face podcast. The number 38 is going to play a major role in this. We have not done an episode with someone in person since episode 238. This is 308. No joke. Uh, Ben Affleck, (laughs) as crazy as that sounds, uh, Ben Affleck and the cast of the film The Way Back, we went to a press junket and we did a scrum with Ben Affleck and the filmmaker and everybody else um, from the movie, and we did a podcast, episode 238. Before that, we interviewed Lou Piniella, from the Thurman Munson Awards Dinner, same with John Franco. And Nancy Lieberman told that amazing story in episode 236 about how she was supposed to be on the helicopter that killed Kobe Bryant. We were doing a lot of episodes in person. And then 239, John Wallace was on the phone. And then COVID hit. And Rudy Gobert tested positive. Jane McManus was 240. And we didn't know when sports were coming back. And every episode through that, has been recorded mostly through Zoom. It's been pretty amazing, but this studio has been upgraded. Hopefully the audio has been great. But this past weekend, Dario Franchitti and I 
got together at the Formula E race in New York City in Brooklyn, New York in Red Hook. Also, there's a ton going on in sports. The All-Star Game was last night. Notice we didn't do an episode on the All-Star Game. Uh, but Patrick Morrow, the head odds maker at BovadaSportsbook.com, is with us. And Patrick, what are we talking about today? We're talking baseball second half and sadly, more COVID cancellations. Yeah, sadly, COVID is playing a role in a lot of things in sports. The the Open in, in England is impacted. Uh, and this weekend with Formula E, I got to tell you, it was very strict PCR tests. I couldn't even show my vaccination card. I had to con- connect it with an app. I had to make sure I was wearing a mask, and it had to be an acceptable mask. And the mask that has been cleared by doctors that I've been wearing pretty much since the pandemic started wasn't good enough. I had to get an N95 mask. It was so intense. So as we've come to know in this podcast, Patrick Morrow from Bavada will be coming on in just a few minutes, as well as Dario Franchitti. But but that's just the first part. We mentioned 238, right? 100 episodes prior to that, we had Richard Branson, the billionaire. Richard Branson was on this podcast. It was the first episode that we had done about Formula E. And Richard Branson was supposed to be in Paris, France. There's an irony to the story because Richard Branson uh, was supposed to be in Paris, France, and we were going to talk about Virgin's commitment to this new sport, this Formula E, electric car racing. And we met with him. The irony was his flight got canceled. He owns an airline. But his flight got canceled. That was at least the story they told us. And we talked to him on a speakerphone. So before we do anything, let's go back. This is a clip from episode 138. This is Richard Branson on a speakerphone because a guy that can go to space couldn't get a flight to Paris, France. But we spoke to Richard Branson. He's talking about his belief in Formula E. And if you've been watching the news, Richard Branson went to space. So he is the first person who has been on this podcast to go to outer space. And, you know, sadly, there have been people who have been on the podcast who are no longer with us. And we've said they have left this world. Richard Branson's the first person to leave this world and come back. Here's the clip. This is Richard Branson talking about Formula E. Fitting, because we're talking to Dario Franchitti today, but Richard Branson referencing how fascinated he is with space travel. I'm Seth Everett with uh, Forbes and uh, NBC Sports Radio, and I'm just curious to get a comment from you about just the idea that it is a combination of sports and technology. The message seems to be we, ha- we need climate change. We need a lot of things. But the fact that it's a race and the fact that it's a sport, how about that to attract the public's idea that this is something that can be a competition that doesn't have to just be about climate change? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, people want, it, want to be entertained. They don't, want to, uh, they don't want to be dead and serious all the time, and they don't want to be depressed all the time. So the great thing about is it's, it's a really good, fun sport, uh, tremendous to watch. The technology that, that is being invented through this sport would be good for dealing with climate change. But 
uh, you know, but it, but it is a sport. It is, it is exciting. It's fun to watch. Um, you know, more and more fans are, are, are being drawn in. Uh, and, 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 you know, you can't, you can't sort out, sort out, you know, it's like with space, with space, space was, uh, captured the imagination of millions of people and still does capture the imagination of millions of people through, through space and the marveling of watching people go to the moon. Uh, incredible technology um, got developed, uh, such as, you know, I suspect I'm, I'm talking to you via a satellite now, um, and that most likely may not, that may not have been possible if it hadn't been for space exploration. One follow-up, uh, just the idea that uh, when you have Formula E and you have this race, there was a comment made on the panel today that uh, the, the team that wins... It's not just the driver. It's really what team was the most innovative. What about the idea that the victory in a race like that really is a is a victory for the the innovators and the and the people creating the technology? I I couldn't agree with you more. And um, obviously the you know the cup is given to the driver, um, but behind the driver, and, and I'm sure that Stan Bird and others would have acknowledged this, uh, is a fantastic team of people who. Are innovating, and uh, and they don't they don't get they don't get the same limelight. But that's just the way society is, I'm afraid. Um, they they they'll be thanked they'll be thanked by the by the team. But um, you know, but you know, behind by, behind Nadal, there's a group of people that are making his winning possible. Behind you know every football player the same. So um, you know, so it's not an individual sport. It's very much a team sport. But, but Nadal doesn't run on solar energy. I, I don't know what he runs on, but uh, whatever, whatever, he definitely drinks from the same bottle every day and it seems to work. I still can't get over that. You know, I said it in episode 138. I'll say it now. Richard Branson was on Sports with Friends. It's weird. It's wild. <laughs> it freaks me out sometimes. When I saw him in space and I saw the joy, I realized that I had this guy on this podcast. Meanwhile, there's a lot going on in sports. And as always, we count on the head odds maker at BovadaSportsBook.com to give us all the latest update. Let's welcome in Patrick Morrow. Patrick, it was just yes last week when we talked about the NBA was going on, the NHL was going on, there was Euros, there was Copa America. Now that's all over. And now baseball supposed to sustain me until NFL training camps? Tell me it isn't so. Absolutely not, folks. Go on vacation. Say hi to your loved ones if it's socially acceptable to do so. But if you don't want to, I suppose you could. This is the three-week set that baseball will have just, uh, you know, nothing else really to compete with. Uh, even even the WNBA is on Olympic break right now. Uh, NBA's wrapped up. NHL's wrapped up. Uh, preseason NFL will start uh, early August. So, yeah, th- this is, you know, baseball's uh, time to shine or for a lot of betters, you know, maybe when they take their break uh, and recharge the batteries a little bit. But, uh, you know, what? It, it's, it's you know, I will, this is a good chance for me to actually catch up with what's going on in baseball because I feel like, especially this year, with all the competition it's had, it's been really tough to, uh, you know, keep an eye on it. But looking at the futures board, it seems like there's not really too much surprises that we've seen this year uh you know outside of maybe a team like the chicago white Sox, double digit futures odds uh before the year now around seven to one 
but otherwise I think uh, a lot of the seasons kind of played out uh, as much as we'd expect. In terms of just pure results, we've obviously seen some of the craziness with uh, the foreign substances and uh, some pants around the ankles. The sticky follow. stuff, yeah. The sticky stuff. Got to watch sticky it. Sticky stuff and strikeouts. That's the takeaway from the first half of the baseball season. Yeah, exactly. In- insane amount of strikeout rates. You know, uh, more and more games decide with walks and strikeouts and home runs, and that and that's it. Not a lot in between. It's uh, it's kind of like how b- basketball's transitioned to just like you know we're shooting threes, and if they go, they go. Uh, and we've cer- we certainly saw that in the Suns Bucks series. But you know, it's if baseball is going to do anything different, if they are going to shine, you know, this is their one chance with three weeks. But at, at Bovada, I mean, uh, we're, we're still taking bets. The LA Dodgers, your plus 350 uh, favorite at the midway point of the season. Uh, looking Which ahead. is weird because they're in second place. They are, but, you know, they are still the sum of their parts with how much uh, baseball is left uh, suggests that, uh, you know, they are st- they're still the favorite to win the NL West as well. They are minus 150 favorites in that spot as well. So uh, there's not too much concern on our end uh, that they will not finish the season uh, top of the leaderboard in the NL West and be one of the playoff teams to reckon with uh, heading into the fall. One of the teams that has been very much uh, maligned this year has been the New York Yankees. What do you make of the all the favorites that said the Yankees were a sure thing to win the American League East? I, yeah. I hope people notice the sarcasm. If you've listened to Sports with Friends, you know about it. Yeah, a pretty surprising uh, start to the season for the New York Yankees. Um, fourth place. Uh, fourth place uh, heading into uh, the All-Star break. And uh, all the way up to 20 to one at Bavada right now to win the World Series, and they were they were right there. They were just behind the Dodgers at the beginning of the year. They were six to one. Uh, the Dodgers started the season at five to one uh, at Bavada, but uh, yeah, it's been a disappointing start for them. They're giving up a lot of runs, not a lot of consistent play, and of course, uh, playing in a division where uh, it seems like they almost alternate the last few years, where it's the Red Sox here, then it's the Yankees here, Tampa Bay consistently doing it again. Uh, more than 10 games above 500. And even the plucky Blue Jays, uh, led by Vladdy Guerrero's excellent bat, are doing pretty cool things. So it's a really tough AL East this year. And, of course, we have nothing positive at all to say about the Baltimore Orioles, as is tradition uh, the last few seasons. Not um, only are there team bets and team futures, but there's also players. Shohei Otani has created uh, a, qu- a bit of a firestorm. And, you know, what I've said on this podcast a lot is – What I want to see from him in the second half is to transcend just baseball fans. I'd like non-baseball fans or very casual watchers to say, wow, this guy pitches and he hits home runs. Wow, that's pretty cool. Um, What kind of odds are around Shohei Otani at Bavada? Shohei Otani at Bavada. Say that two times fast. Shohei Otani at Bavada. I'll do it just once at regular speed. Uh, he's currently the minus 190 favorite uh, to be the MVP of the American League at Bavada and the minus 170 favorite to be the Cy Young winner at Bavada, which is, it's pretty crazy. Again, what he's doing uh, on both sides of the ball, he's pitching, he's hitting, he's smashing too. You know, these aren't uh, lazy fly balls over a short uh, left field porch. He's crushing these, a lot of these 450, 460 straightaway center field. It's incredible what he's doing. And I think I, I would really hope that uh, with the kind of season he's having, uh, a season that I haven't seen out of a, of a pitcher slash hitter uh, in all my time watching baseball. Uh, this is really cool stuff. So I do th- hope that if anything, uh, 
you know, does catch uh, the imagination and the excitement of people that are kind of rediscovering baseball at this point of the summer. You know, I, I hope it's Shohei Otani. Uh, if you're looking at, you know, the only other player as dominant as him right now would be Jacob deGrom in the NL, but he doesn't hit like Otani does. Jacob deGrom, by the way, currently evens for NL MVP at Pavada. Yeah, he's actually a good hitter. And uh, he babysat for my kid once, so I, I, any, any chance I can mention that. Uh, I, I like to. Uh, one other thing that happened last weekend, and I, I thought it was appropriate to mention because there's a lot of sports betting on it, and that is uh, anytime a boxing fight gets postponed or anytime a sporting event gets postponed because of COVID, this is still happening, and I cannot believe it. How athletes, top flight athletes, are not getting vaccinated, I don't understand. But Tyson Fury tested positive for COVID. His bout with Dante Wilder last weekend was del- was postponed. What does that mean for people who bet on? Right. So unfortunately for players who bet uh, on this bout, that will not be happening. Um, I mean, the, the bets are refunded. Uh, uh, what the stipulation is at Bavada for boxing or UFC or anything, anything we call, uh, you know, collectively combat sports. Uh, if the fight is rescheduled and takes place within the same 30 days uh, of the original start date, pardon me, uh, then all bets would have action and uh, we would just move ahead to the next date. But because this is postponed all the way till October, all uh, bets on the fight are refunded. You know, some players, uh, you know, really don't like when this happens because if they're a sharp player, they're thinking that, you know, we'll have already adjusted to the betting action that's come in on a fight like this. Uh, you know, Fury was a minus 290 favorite uh, when we took the lines off the board. But, you know, we opened him at minus 270. So I, I know that's not a massive difference. But for some players, well, you know, when we get around to that fight again in October, we're probably going to open it back up at minus 290. So if they got that minus 270, they will lose a little bit of value. But I mean, between now and October, there could be uh, so many different things that uh, can occur with either Fury or Wilder's health, whether it's their training. Uh, whether it's other recent form or any kind of insight as to what's going on in their camp. So, but yeah, but yeah, so for Fury and Wilder, it is a classic all funds return from the good folks at Bavada. We will repost this line uh, as soon as we have confirmation that it's back on the board. And you know, Bavada will be the best place to bet not just your winner of the fight odds, but all your in game props, all your derivatives, your over unders. Uh, we'll have you covered at Bavada for all that Fury and Wilder goodness when that fight is back on the board. That's Patrick Morrow, the head odds maker at Bovada. Uh, Patrick, have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one, folks. Now, finally, we are going to hear from an amazing driver, an amazing broadcaster, the great Dario Franchitti in person. First of all, uh, the thing I'm most proud of, this is the first face-to-face human podcast we have done in like 18 months. Everything's been over Zoom and the internet. Uh, it's so nice to have a guest actually in person. It's great to meet you. You too. That's, that's quite the thing, isn't it? It's been quite a, it's been quite a time. Yeah, it's, it, it's been very, very strange. And I do want to ask you about last year with the with Berlin and, and how strange that was. But you're back in America and you've had so much success in the United States. And... Before we get into your transition to Formula E in the announcing world, what is it like being back here in America? Even though you travel the world, this place must be have special meaning. Not necessarily New York, but just the United States. 
well, I was here last Sunday <laughs> and I went home for three days. No, I, I spent a lot of time in the US still. Um, my job as an advisor with Chip Ganassi Racing. Um, I'm going to 75% of the IndyCar races doing that. Um, America, I lived here for a long time. You know, I lived in Nashville. I actually lived in New York City for a bit too. Um, America, it feels at home, especially at a racetrack. Um, when I started doing Formula E, it almost felt foreign to be at, at a European style race event again um but uh the now obviously it's become very very familiar um so it's, it's it's nice to you know to bring formula e to to the us to the us fans um and as you say with this sort of hopefully post-covid world to, to actually have fans again when yeah. it's, it's 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 nice and in some ways it's shocking but it's really cool to have fans back at the racetrack the um the the you, you mentioned a european style race I had only been exposed to IndyCar and NASCAR from a from a, a, a ancillary level. Um, Formula E, I've covered a lot closer. There's a stigma in the United States about what a NASCAR fan is, what an IndyCar fan is. That they are uh, from the South, or just stigmas that, that that are there that doesn't exist in in a global sense. That it, it can be high class. Uh, in, in, in some European cities. How do you characterize the, the, the stigmas and the reputations auto racing has in the U.S.? Well, I think the, the when people pigeonhole fans like that, it's, it's possibly you would look at it maybe say 30, 40 years ago, that was the case. You know, NASCAR guys from the South, you know, Indy cars are this, F1 fans are this, drag racing fans are that, now Formula E fans are this. I think... Um, race fan's a race fan to me um maybe that's because i love all types of racing i'll watch any kind of automobile motorcycle boat i'll watch anything race um and i, I i've seen just not people <laughs> well occasionally running i watched my daughter at sports day the other day she's five i was watching her doing a run race that was pretty cool um I, you know I, I i'm a i'm a racing fan i love all types of racing i was sitting watching flying over here a couple of days ago watching the goodwood live stream watching old cars going up the hill and all my 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 friends and stuff keep sending me pictures and telling me what a good time they're having in goodwood this weekend so yeah i, I love all types of automobile racing um and it's you know i think each one has something unique to to offer how did you get the initial connection to formula e uh, you know you know did, did, were you pursuing broadcast outlets? You said you had something else going on. Um, you obviously had success in racing, so it's not a surprise to see you doing a racing gig, but this is a very different one, and it seems from a distance that this is much more team-dependent than other racing. Racing, yes, you need your team, but the driver has to, to, to do everything. This you have to watch the battery and you have to watch the 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 repurposing of energy there's there's it seems like it's such a more complicated thing and there have been races and i've heard you call them that's why i feel like i know you already they they uh you've called races where guys were in first place and they ran out of power and that's it that doesn't happen in gas cars Oh, it does. Trust me. Uh, 2010 Indy 500, I had a half a gallon left in the tank, and I thought I was going to run out leading the, really? leading the race. So it happens, but it's definitely a bigger part of the picture in Formula E. It's, a, it's a, another piece of the puzzle that the drivers have to deal with it's because you start the race with not enough energy to finish it. So you've got to regenerate something like an additional 30% of energy just to finish the race. So that Let alone win it. Let alone win it. So that adds to that whole 
complexity and the team i think racing racing's a team sport you know it always has been a massive massive team sport and the drivers have got to think for themselves a bit but they've got the engineers you know coaching them as well whether that's indycar formula one you know obviously formula e um so the formula e gig came about because um ali russell who now works at extreme e ali was was one of the, the sort of an original team of, of formula e ali alejandro's right hand man and he alejandro agag who i can tell our audience he's been on this podcast before yeah, and Alejandro was the founder of, of, of Formula E and now you know, is, is chairman and is heavily involved in Extremia. Anyway, Ali lives in Edinburgh, so I was home in Scotland and he said, hey, I got this sort of introduction saying that Ali wants to talk to you about driving in Formula E. And I was driving in IndyCar at the time and I was quite happy with that and I was looking at doing that for a few more years and going to sports cars and doing Le Mans. So it wasn't really on my radar as a, as a driver. Um, and then when I had my accident, one of the first calls was Ali saying, have you thought about doing broadcasting? <laughs> and it all came together. Pretty the anesthesia wear off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it all came together pretty quickly. And, um, you know, at the time, quite honestly, people were like, oh, Formula E is a joke. This is going to be a joke. These cars, you know, we sat at the first race in, in China saying, are they all going to move off the grid? And pretty quickly it became this. <laughs> and all these manufacturers involved and it's, uh, you know, it's... It's been so impressive the growth of Formula E. So it's been it's been fun to be part of that um, and to tie that in with my IndyCar stuff and all the other fun things I get to do. You, you referenced your accident, and I wasn't sure if you wanted to, to talk about that. Um, one of the things that you, you you don't see as much now are these horrific accidents. Um, you don't see them in Formula E that that much. The you know again, knock on wood. You're right. Bite your tongue. The whole knock thing. On wood right here. No, no, I mean, that's no. absolutely because these these accidents can happen any place, any time, um, and you know, in any any formula in the world. So yeah, you just it's, it's part of it. What about just the idea that our cars built differently? Are are you know as technology advances, the safety of the driver. And the reason I'm saying that is there's an allegory to sports. You know, people say if you make the NFL uh, safer, you're going to ruin the game. Well, no, 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 no. You've made racing safer, but you still have the competition. Yeah, of course you're going to make the cars as safe as they can possibly be. You're going to make the tracks as safe as they can possibly be. And, you know, it's never going to be completely safe. It's definitely safer than it was. And I think our as a as a as a the human race's appetite for these sort of uh, those old risks it's probably gone away a bit so we've got to make it that we definitely got to make it safer you can never make it fully safe it's always a, a especially indycar i think it's there's a lot it's a gladiatorial sport you know on the on the ovals and the, the risks are, are, are i think higher there though my accident happened on a street course right. my well, my last one anyway um but yeah you've got to You've got to applaud the FIA and IndyCar and all these different sanctioning bodies who continue to make it safer. Um, I mean, when the the aero screen came into IndyCar, I thought, well, you know, I'm not sure about this. And I'd lost three good friends to head injuries um, in, in IndyCar. And now I look at it and I just think, what what an amazing thing that IndyCar, the Red Bull Technologies did. You look at the halo and Formula E, Formula One. Um, it's... You, you, you make taking those precautions and, and, and rightly so. What I, you know, I always usually say at the end of a podcast uh, that I'd love you to come back, 
but I would love to do it on a non-race day where we can go. I, I, I want to know so many more things. So half of what you've told me so far, I have follow-ups that I'm thinking of that, that I w- want, want to get to. Uh, what's the, the best place to call a race? Not to drive in a race. What's the best scene, the best setting to, that, in Formula E since you started? I mean, we, we call the races from a booth very much like this. We're yeah, yeah. we're calling it from a TV screen. We don't have a, a view of the of the circuit. But as far as cities, we've gone to some really cool places. I mean, New York's going to be right up there, hasn't it? Um, see, I, I grew up here, so I don't see that. I, I see Rome. I see Paris. I don't see New York. Well, I mean, Rome is amazing. Paris is amazing as well. But Monaco... The Monaco race on the big circuit, come on, that was pretty special. But I'm just looking out the window here, and I see New York. Yeah. How many years, how many decades were people trying to have a race in New York City? And, and here we are. The, the, um, the idea that it's always uh, global, uh, formally announced, uh, if you're listening to this the week that it's released, um, you know, people always listen to podcasts in the future, and I always say, do me a favor, tell me how the flying car is. Um, there's this argument about... Um, just traveling to South Africa and going into Japan and going into China and all these different things. You guys uh, were able to complete a season last year when all sports had shut down. Um, it was it was incredible. You found an abandoned airport and you turned it into a track and then did what, like six races in 12 days or something like that? Six races, nine days, three different layouts. That was crazy. I, I, I watched him from a distance. I couldn't get over it. We're, first of all, were you in Berlin? Because Jack was. And I talked to Jack Nichols, uh, not just on this podcast, but, I, you know, I've developed a friendship. And he told me it's like you weren't in Germany. You were just in this, this space in, in essentially a bubble. We were in a bubble. From the time we arrived at the hotel, we were in a bubble. We weren't allowed to leave the hotel. The hotel was quite nice. Had a lot of nice restaurants yeah, and yeah. stuff, and we were all together. But no people outside of the circuit. No people outside of the circuit. Because these people can get really boring. No, just- <laughs> it was done purely for TV, because that's the only way we could do it. And we had to finish the championship. So, you know, Alberto Longo, the guys at Formula E, they came up with this idea, and they executed it to absolute perfection. It was because it was, it was not the work of a moment to do what they did. And again, those three layouts, to have those six races... Um, it was it was quite a thing, but I, I think that I'm not being too dramatic here. But I think the survival of, the, of Formula E as a championship was was really it hinged on it. It, yeah. it did hinge on that, and and, and because it's a, it's a very new it's a very new championship, a very new branch of the sport. So they did that, and um, it was very very impressive. So the fact that we're able to go back to different cities this year is cool. Next year, I have to say the the schedule looks really cool it looks really really fun and hopefully you know the restrictions are less and 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 you you can travel everywhere um in europe when i've been to races like i said i went to italy and i've been to england and i've been to all these different places uh electric cars are so much more prevalent and i'm I'll, i'll be perfectly honest my leases are up you know i lease cars and we look for electric cars all the time and they are so much more expensive that it doesn't pay. It's not you're not saving enough. Why do you think, as someone who's lived in both America, you're the perfect guy to ask this. It's why is it that this part of the world just doesn't want to embrace electric technology? And what I have challenged Formula E, what I wanted to say is, if a team's designing these regenerative batteries, 
Well, do me a favor. Show me how you can get those types of batteries in consumer cars. We're not even there yet. No, but you got to... The development process in Formula E is happening all the time. They're making these things so much more efficient, even with very strict guidelines into what they can and cannot change in the cars. So what you're seeing just now, the rate of, of development, that's that's going to transfer into the street cars. It already has, but it's going to continue. Electric cars are going to get cheaper. You know, one thing between Europe and America is the price of gas. Right. I mean, it's, it's we're paying $10, $12 a gallon of gas. So that makes it makes a difference to tax breaks, that kind of stuff. So um, I see the, the I see the world shifting more towards electric vehicles. Um, Formula E's definitely got a part to play in that. I'm an old I'm an old dinosaur right now. We've we've definitely looked. I was in a, a Porsche SUV, uh, electric vehicle the other day, the Taycan. Oh my god, that was. You can name drop. Were you driving with Lindsay Vaughn? That was in the Jaguar yesterday. Yeah, oh, I took okay. I took Lindsay for a couple of laps. But Steve Soper, great touring car driver, um, from you know Steve and I went. He, he picked me up the other day in, in, in a ta- his Taycan. Wow, that thing went like the wind. <laughs> but um, I'm a bit of an old dinosaur at the moment. I've still got a lot of um, you know a lot of internal combustion cars, and I, I that's my thing just now. And as I'm looking more and more towards electric vehicles for everyday stuff. Um, but my old classics, um, I'm going to hang on to those. I love I love that too. Uh, last question. Um, one of the neatest things that I thought Formula E did a couple of years ago was introduce Fan Boost. It encourages drivers to be fan friendly, to jump on social media, something that some sports they, they don't do. Uh, it's cheesy a little bit because you know you get a little boost of energy. You're not going to win a championship that way, but every little bit helps, and you win some of these races by seconds. What is T- tell me what the impact of fan boost and it just what I encourage people who are listening, anybody who has never seen what this is, you basically if you get the most votes, you get a little extra power and energy. You also get the energy. Attack mode only gives you power, which you've got to use energy to use. Fan boost, you get the extra energy too. So, I mean, I, I think um, when you look at Antonio Felix da Costa and in, in Monaco. Now that win was definitely, I think, powered by I gave him some help with with fan boost. So, but it tells him like if somebody you know goes to him on social media on Instagram or Twitter or something and says, "Hey, you know, what's your favorite you know hot dog or something?" Answer the question because that person will vote for you. You know, formerly there was no rules when it started, and that's the great one of the great things about it. They're making this stuff up and they're making it as fan friendly and as interesting as they possibly can without the old, you know, we've done this for a hundred years type thing, and so that works very, very well. But I see, I do see all championships now becoming more and more fan friendly. Um, you know, let's go back to IndyCar for a second. I mean, you've been able to go in the paddock in an IndyCar race forever and stand right next to the cars it goes by and there goes mario andretti or scott dixon or whoever just walking right past and you can you can have a chat or whatever so um you know formula e i think is is, is done there a bit too and in their own way making it as fan friendly as possible and it's got to be because it's a cliche but without fans there's no racing you know you're, you're there's no point to it and it's not the manufacturers are not going to hang around very long if there's no fans Dario, it's been a real uh, honor talking to you. I, like I said, I watch you and Jack call these races. You've done a phenomenal job. Uh, continued success, and I, I, I really appreciate it. By the way, uh, can people find you online? As in social media? Social media. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I Dario Franchitti on Twitter and Dario underscore Franchitti on Instagram, I think, because someone already tried to, yeah, got a hold of that one. I just want to tell our listeners, if there's anything you had an issue with that you heard in the podcast, do me a favor, reach out to Dario directly and leave me the hell out of it. Thank you so much for doing this, and thank you for getting back to doing face-to-face interviews. Thank you.
How very cool to have Dario Franchitti, and there was so much more we wanted to get into. His time was a little limited, so this podcast is a little shorter. Some people like them shorter, and I appreciate that. I like shorter podcasts, but I always let the guests dictate. I try to let them say what they want to say, and if they're comfortable, we go into a lot of different things. Uh, Dario Franchitti is going to be back on the podcast, and the people at Formula E, I talked to a couple of the teams they are recommending some other uh, Formula E-related guests. It's a sport I really believe in, and it's a sport I'm supporting, and I have been supporting here on the podcast and also in things I've written about. I wrote this Forbes article about Formula E. Uh, I did something with Barrett Sports Media about Fan Boost. There's just a lot there, and to me, it's a sport. That, the races are really short, and this is the only races I follow. It really is. Uh, Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, Please continue to rate and review the podcast. Our ratings are what makes this podcast go. And make sure you check out all the sponsors of this podcast as well. We will see you next week with episode 309. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to To stay, I got to be me. You'll never be in doubt. That's what it's all about. You can't take me for granted and smile.